It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard. January's thaw about to give way to February's chill as the Arctic Express makes a pit stop here this weekend. Weatherman Kevin Williams says some uncommon cold is on the way. The chill of today is just the tip of the proverbial iceberg as a true Arctic air mass is being unleashed from the great white north. It'll be surging into our area at the end of the week, sending our temperatures to the lowest levels of the winter today by far. Parts of the lake belts could pick up another half foot of snow by late this afternoon and the messy mix of wintry weather extending southward too, as we hear from meteorologist David Parkinson. We have a widespread ice event unfolding. The risk for more than a quarter inch of ice accumulation in Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee, and and Kentucky. 40 million people from Texas to Pennsylvania under winter weather alerts today. President Biden in New York City today talking infrastructure. He's announcing $300 million for a new tunnel under the Hudson River. But it's a migrant crisis there that people are really concerned about. Critics contend the Hudson River tunnel deal is a distraction from the immigration catastrophe that's unfolding in the Big Apple. This is a, you know, abject failure of the Biden administration. His immigration policies are disastrous. He knows it. And so, best thing to do is not look at it and pretend it's not there. Illegal immigrants are refusing to leave a city sidewalk next to a posh Manhattan hotel. 800 migrant men say conditions at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal where a makeshift shelter's been set up are no good. This illegal immigrant spoke through an interpreter today. For all men, it's only four bathrooms. If one gets sick, everyone gets sick. It's very ugly. The beds are horrible. They're a piece of fabric. They're like a military bed. Last night, police cleared a small group of migrants from Manhattan, but others remain camped out and are refusing to vacate the premises. New York Congressman Mike Lawler calls all of this a Band-Aid approach to solving the immigration crisis. The idea that you're just going to move migrants from one community to another uh, is not solving the problem here. The federal government needs to act. Lawler says local communities are footing the bill for the Biden administration's failure at the southern border. President Biden has declared another COVID emergency, despite saying this about the pandemic last fall. The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. But the pandemic is over. That was the president in September. The COVID emergency extended now until May 11th. The White House promises it will end then. Infectious disease expert David Agus says when it does, expect the cost of medicine to soar. What this means, though, is that things like vaccines and treatments will no longer be covered by the federal government and then will cover by insurance. And prices of those are expected to go up significantly. Republicans accuse the White House of using COVID 
provided as cover to justify reckless spending. It's gotten to a point where if you don't start exercising a little bit of discipline, like everyone else does in this country, we're going to be paying a big price for it. Indiana Senator Mike Braun, two more Memphis cops have been relieved of duty, and three EMTs have been fired in connection to the death of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. Officials say the EMTs failed to provide adequate care after Nichols was beaten following a traffic stop. Man, if you don't lay down, well, I am on the ground. Civil rights activists demanding justice. That was not even policing what we saw on that videotape. That was a gang of men attacking a 150-pound guy for what appears to be no reason. Nichols died three days later in the hospital from his injuries. His funeral is tomorrow. Actor Alec Baldwin will be formally charged with involuntary manslaughter today for a fatal shooting that happened on the set of a movie in New Mexico. Baldwin could get six and a half years behind bars. He claims the charges are bogus and he never pulled the trigger on that gun that killed a cinematographer. A popular TV star from the 1980s has died. Laverne and Shirley fans have lost another. Her family says Cindy Williams, who played Shirley Feeney, has died after a short illness. Are you waiting for someone? Nobody but you, mister. Williams was 75, the same age her co-star Penny Marshall was when she died in 2018. Ron Howard, who starred with Williams in the spinoff Happy Days, says he'll miss her big sister energy. Deborah Rodriguez reporting still to come on the Noon Report, the Show Up Act paying school boards and the vindication of a pro-life activist. Well, good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams calling for a mixed sky this afternoon. Some sun, some clouds, a few lake flakes. I'll have the details in the forecast coming up. We'll see you in 10 minutes. All right, see you then. Thank you, Kevin. News where you live next. A multi-vehicle crash last night on Interstate 86 in Angelica, New York. That's in Allegheny County. Two people hospitalized with serious injuries. Police say the driver of a Kia lost control and hit a guardrail. The car was then struck by a tractor trailer. New York Congressman Nick Langworthy will be voting yes on the Show Up Act this week. What is the Show Up Act anyway? The Stopping Home Office Works Unproductive Problems Act. Langworthy is frustrated by a federal workforce that is allowed to operate remotely. In our brave men and women in uniform, they've never had the luxury of remote work. In our hardworking construction crews, they don't have the luxury of working from home. Workers on factory lines and repairing our road waves and driving trucks with our food and our farmers. They don't have the luxury of remote work. The Show Up Act requires all federal agencies to return to pre-pandemic levels within 30 days. The COVID emergency is over. Our country must be open for business. And that starts with getting federal employees back to work. The Show Up Act also requires federal agencies submit to Congress within six months a detailed assessment of the impact remote work has had on their operations. A group of people that haven't been showing up to work at all these days are Pennsylvania state lawmakers. This despite them getting a pay raise that boosts their salary to over a hundred grand a year. PA politicians have been incognito in Harrisburg.
Petersburg. I say it's ridiculous. We got to start working. We got to get organized. We got to come to work and we got to start doing the people's work here in Pennsylvania. State Representative Josh Kale. We can't just shut the house down when one side doesn't like the numbers and the other side does. We have work to do and the people should demand that we do it. House Speaker Mark Rossi has locked the doors of the lower chamber as a feud ensues over legislative amendments having to do with voter ID and sex abuse survivors. A Pennsylvania politician thinks it's high time we pay our school board members. Democrat Joe Webster says that would attract higher quality candidates to school boards all across the Commonwealth. Webster's bill would also require more training to be a school board member, which is right now a voluntary position. Embattled New York Congressman George Santos is recusing himself from serving on any committees on Capitol Hill. The freshman Republican says he won't serve until investigations into his campaign and personal life are complete. Santos admitted to fabricating key parts of his background and is the target of several probes. The man who led the Roman Catholic Church for more than 30 years in Rochester, New York, was laid to rest yesterday. Funeral mass held for Bishop Matthew Clark at the Sacred Heart Cathedral. The Archbishop of New York, Timothy Dolan, presided. Dolan says Clark was a man who embodied tranquility he'd say tim tim slow down be at peace be still let the power of god's word sink into your heart clark's lifelong friend lee clary bishop clark would say midnight mass at the cathedral right here the next morning he would say mass at the monroe county jail he did that for years and years and years that shows you what kind of a person he was the 85 year old clark led the catholic church through the tumultuous priest sex abuse scandal he was diagnosed with alzheimer's back in 2019 a state lawmaker wants to raise the minimum age to purchase a semi automatic weapon in Pennsylvania to 21. Here's Family Life's Terry Diener. State Representative Melissa Schusterman pointed to the 2018 shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida where 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz killed 17 people. Schusterman said those who are not able to purchase alcohol should not be able to buy a weapon capable of committing a mass shooting. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thank you, Terry. It took a jury less than an hour yesterday to acquit pro-life activist Mark Houck in federal court in Philadelphia. Houck was accused of violating the FACE Act and faced 11 years in prison. He shoved a Planned Parenthood worker who was shouting obscenities at his son outside an abortion clinic in the fall of 2021. Houck's attorney, Peter Breen. He was well away from the entrance, and the FACE Act is about access to the clinics. It's not about dealing with issues down the sidewalk. So right here today, what we did was win a big victory for the pro-life movement against the Biden administration. They were trying to scare pro-lifers. How a father of seven was arrested last fall at his home near Philly by nearly two dozen armed FBI agents. On September 23rd, about 6.45 in the morning, agents, full SWAT gear, heavily armored vests, ballistic shields, helmets, battering ram, banged on my door. The Biden Justice Department brought the case against Hauk, even though local prosecutors had thrown it out. The Monroe County, New York sheriff is handing out free wheel locks to prevent vehicle theft.
In recent months, hundreds of vehicles have been stolen in and around the Flower City. Most of them are Hyundais and Kias there near Rochester, New York. New Yorkers could soon be living life in the fast lane thanks to a new bill proposed by State Senator Tom O'Mara. He wants to raise the speed limit on certain interstates from 65 to 70 miles an hour. I feel the need, the need for speed. Well, don't put the pedal to the metal just yet, though. That bill is still in committee. There's also legislation in the state Senate that imposes speed-limiting technology in all new vehicles in New York. Pennsylvania Republican Glenn Thompson thinks the Biden administration is stonewalling a congressional probe into classified documents found at the president's home and at a D.C. office. Thompson blames the Justice Department for what he says employing a double standard of justice. The image of Lady Justice with a blindfold holding a scale. They've been tipping that scale for too many years here. The congressman thinks the congressional investigation can work parallel to a special counsel investigation. We have a government oversight responsibility by the Constitution as part of the checks and balances. So far, the Justice Department's refused to let congressional investigators gain access to the classified documents, saying it would jeopardize the special counsel probe. Well, a lot of us are exercising those snow shoveling muscles, muscles we didn't know we had. And Family Life's Greg Gillespie has some news you can use as the wintry weather makes a comeback. The number one tip from Beth Squarecki of lifehacker.com, shovel early and often. Three inches four times over the course of a day is easier than taking a foot of snow on all at once. If you miss that opportunity, you can still shovel in layers. And push instead of lift. You can buy shovels that are meant to act more like a snowplow. Keep your back straight. Squat down so you do more bending of your knees and less bending of your hips. Warm up, take breaks, and go easy on yourself. And if you're older or have heart issues, be especially slow and careful. You don't want to become the story of someone who collapsed by overdoing it. Mm. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. Slow and steady wins the race. Thank you very much, Greg. It is now 14 past the hour, and this is the Noon Report. Let's get you caught up on sports next. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, it was a good night for the Brooklyn Nets as they won their second straight game, beating up on the Lakers 121 to 104. Kyrie Irving led the way with 26 points. Patty Mills and Cam Thomas both came off the bench and scored 21. The Nets are now fourth in the East with a 31-19 record. Well, what looked like a good night for the 76ers failed to materialize. Philly was up 21 points in the first quarter, but then Orlando outscored the Sixers by 31 points the rest of the game. They won it 119-109. Joel Embiid led Philly in the loss. He had 30 points and 11 rebounds. Welcome back, Luka Doncic. After missing a game, Doncic returned to lead his team in a come-from-behind win over Detroit, 111-105. Luka finished with 53 points. The Kings won in overtime, 118-111 against Minnesota. Golden State got 38 points from Steph Curry and down the Thunder, 128-120. The Wizards beat up San Antonio, 127-106. 
Portland held on and beat Atlanta 129 to 125, and it was Phoenix over Toronto 114 to 106. Just one game on the ice saw Winnipeg double up St. Louis 4 to 2. It is apparently hazardous to your health to be a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. They have now lost another QB to a long-term injury. We now know why Brock Purdy could not throw the ball in the Eagles game on Sunday. He has a torn UCL ligament in his throwing elbow. He's going to be out of action for at least six months. So first it was Trey Lance who broke an ankle. Then it was Jimmy Garoppolo who broke his foot. And now Purdy. Who wants to be quarterback for San Francisco? Well, the good news, both Lance and Purdy should be back sometime during preseason next year. And now I will throw it gently back to Bob. That is a look at sports. I hope you did your stretches first. Thank you very much, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, ice storm blanketing much of the country. Miss Julie's School of Beauty. And we'll have more fallout from the death of Tyree Nichols. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In the middle of the 19th century, an archaeologist discovered fragments of multiple clay tablets in what is modern-day Iraq. Translated, the cuneiform writing on these and other tablets subsequently found revealed the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian account of the creation of the world. The Enuma Elish starts with the formless chaos and water. The waters divide into a god and a goddess who have children who are also gods. And then war breaks out between the mother and father, between the mother and children. Ultimately, the offspring of the first two gods create human beings in order for them to be their servants. Other ancient cultures have strikingly similar creation accounts. Egyptians believed multiple creation myths, but most of them also begin with chaos and water, out of which comes gods, war, and ultimately human beings. There's almost always something there, and there's almost always violence. The Genesis account, skeptics proclaim, is simply one of these accounts, and therefore should not be taken any more seriously than the others. Are the similarities between the biblical account of creation and the other ancient accounts as obvious and conclusive as we're told? Well, C.S. Lewis didn't think so. In his book, Miracles, Lewis argued for the opposite conclusion. If multiple disparate cultures recorded similar stories of the world's beginning, well, then isn't it possible that these ancient peoples derive clues from the nature around them about the world's actual beginning? In other words, if a story's true, we'd expect multiple people in multiple places to discover it and then to muddy the details along the way. Even more, if the similarities between ancient deities and creation myths do not disqualify the biblical accounts, what about the obvious differences? In an excellent analysis in his new book, Biblical Critical Theory, scholar Christopher Watkin rightfully concludes that the Genesis account stands apart as being profoundly different than the other creation myths. Here's Watkin, quote, Genesis 1, by contrast, spares us the violence and the conflict. Indeed, there's no one for God to be in conflict with. No rival to play the antagonist in his grand creation plan, stealing away the sun he puts in the sky or pulling up his newly created trees and plants. In contrast to other ancient creation myths, Genesis 1 is remarkably calm and ordered. No one gets hurt, no one loses a corporal appendage, and no one dies. The universe is not created in war and through fighting, but in peace and through speaking." Not only is the Genesis account of creation not like the others, every claim it makes about the world has held up to human experience, even till today. That's one reason that belief persists in the Genesis story, while all the other ancient myths have fallen in the dustbin of history. A world born of violence and power inevitably leads to privileging violence and power above all else. The Genesis account, however, explains the violence and power that plagues the world, but puts it within a larger context of a world made of order and peace 
by a loving creator. That's not only a better story, it better reflects the world as we know and experience it. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org. All right, pretty heady stuff there. Thank you, John. Let's take it outside next. Kevin Williams. Good afternoon. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Colder than yesterday for many. Clouds, sun, some lake flurries, high temps, 20s and low 30s, dropping back into the teens and low 20s tonight. Tomorrow and for Thursday, some sunshine and temperatures that will peak in the 20s and low 30s tomorrow in the 30s to near 40 then on Thursday. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm your host, Bob Price, and there's a lot going on this Tuesday, the last day of January 2023. 40 million Americans are under winter weather alerts today as a massive storm stretching from Texas to Pennsylvania brings snow and ice and bone-chilling cold. A bitter blast of winter, ice, snow, and extreme cold barreling its way across the country. The frigid Arctic front stretching across more than a dozen states from the southern plains to the Ohio Valley. It's going to feel like it's uh, about minus two, minus three outside. Caught in the storm's crosshairs, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just raining ice. And Fayetteville, Arkansas. The icing is much harder to, uh, to deal with than the snow. Freezing rain, ice, sleet, and snow wreaking havoc on the roads. Arctic cold from Canada, a key ingredient fueling the storm. Maggie Vespa reporting Memphis has now fired or disciplined 10 police and emergency workers who were at the scene when Tyree Nichols was beaten by officers. Correspondent Elise Preston has more on his death and the murder investigation. Demonstrators in Memphis continued to call for police reform as Memphis police announced that two more officers had been relieved of their duties pending an investigation. The Memphis Fire Department also announced yesterday it fired two EMTs and a lieutenant who arrived on the scene after the beating for allegedly not administering adequate care for nearly seven minutes. We pray for healing in the city. Monday night, mourners gathered at a vigil for Nichols at the same spot where he was beaten. Elise Preston in Memphis, asylum seekers refusing to leave the sidewalk outside a hotel in New York City. Last night, police took down tents from the sidewalks by the Watson Hotel in Hell's Kitchen, but some of the migrants refused to leave and they camped out for a second straight night using sleeping bags and tarps. Well, these activists say the city is trying to get hundreds of migrants out of the hotel and into the shelter at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal, which they say does not have ideal conditions. They're going to be on single cots literally toe to head. It's inhumane. Mayor Eric Adams continues to call for help from the federal government. Scott Pringle, New York. The U.S. Surgeon General says 13 years old is too young for kids to be on social media. Media expert Eric Rasmussen agrees. There's studies that show that, yeah, it can be detrimental to our development and our ability to regulate our emotions. Rasmussen says even adults have a hard time regulating their emotions online, so we can't expect that from children either. They don't know how to regulate their emotions and navigate everything that they're navigating online. Of course, they're going to have difficulties. He says parents need to talk to their kids about what they see online and set clear boundaries. A space rock that hasn't been seen since the Stone Age is headed our way, and by our way, I mean planet Earth. A rare green comet will pass pretty close to Earth this week. Best chance to see it is Thursday. The comet was discovered by scientists at Caltech's Palomar Observatory in San Diego last March. They have some pretty easy tips for you to see it. 
You'll need a telescope or high-powered binoculars. Get far away from city lights. Look to the northwest direction just before dawn, and you should be able to see a green glow in the sky. The green isn't from space people. Palomar says it's the carbon in the gas clouds surrounding the nucleus. Well, that's good to know. Bree Tennis reporting. New Jersey is using an iconic Seinfeld episode to take aim at telemarketers. A proposal dubbed the Seinfeld Bill would require telemarketers to state their name and what they're selling within 30 seconds. Why don't you give me your home number and I'll call you later? Uh, well, I'm sorry. We're not allowed to do that. Oh, I guess you don't want people calling you at home. No. Well, now you know how I feel. They'll also have to say whom they're representing and a phone number to reach them. The bill must pass the full Senate and State Assembly before going to the governor's desk. I'm Natalie Migliori, New Jersey. Hollywood mourning the death of a popular 1980s TV star today. Steve Futterman has that report. She was one half of the starring duo on Laverne and Shirley. Cindy Williams played Shirley to Penny Marshall's Laverne, and millions watched every week. Laverne, you can drag your feet all you want to, but I'm going to this party and I'm going to meet some nice gentlemen. He's a conceited dork. Long after the show ended, Cindy Williams talked about how fans still remember her on the sitcom. They feel that they're family, and they are. Cindy Williams was 75. Steve Futterman, Los Angeles. It is 25 after the hour, and you're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. This week's guest is Julie Chappas of Christ for Kids Ministries in Rush, New York, whose new outreach effort is known as Miss Julie's School of Beauty, offering vocational training for victims of human trafficking. She says the idea for the school arose from monthly model days at Christ for Kids. It was after one of the model day programs. We did a full makeover. We took lasting picture of the day, just loving on this girl, letting her know God made you so beautiful. Here's pictures, you know, you can hang on to. It was really interesting because I got a call from her maybe four or five days later. And she said, Miss Julie, when I was with you doing the model day program, you made me feel so good. And I know that I really deserve to feel good. And she said, I was really embarrassed to say this, but I've been homeless and I've been bouncing around from anybody that will take me in. And right now I I'm in the inner city and I've got a roof over my head, but only if I perform in the bedroom. And she started crying and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she was like, can you help me? I said, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, I ran down to get her and I brought her back to my little salon studio here and I was like, okay, my my social work kind of degree kicked back in. (laughs) And I'm like, I need to connect her with the proper resources. I didn't really realize that human trafficking was such a huge problem. I knew it was a problem, but I didn't know it was a problem right here in Rochester, you know? And so when I started looking up, like, who can I connect this girl with? Like, I need to get her into a safe environment. We need an emergency bed. We've got to get her some clothing. I mean, she had nothing but the clothes she was wearing. And so I hooked into Angels of Mercy. And from there, I found out about the Out of Darkness program. And they did happen to have an emergency bed. So we were able to get her over into that program. But from there, it just led to many more conversations with different organizations in our area. And when I realized that human trafficking is actually quite common within 
our city and not even just Rochester, but the outlying areas like Bovina in Livingston County, they're inundated with so many cases of these people that are literally trapped in a trafficking situation and it's not really talked about. There's really no way out for these people. And so that's why, you know, as just the nonprofit owner of Christ for Kids, I'm getting this call and all of a sudden I'm staring human trafficking in the face. That eventually led her to the realization that any successful escape from human trafficking includes a viable way for those seeking a new and better life to support themselves. My faith led me to open up Miss Julie's School of Beauty. That was birthed out of a lot of conversations with the trafficking programs in and around our area. They get these people into trauma therapy. They connect people with all the resources that are needed. But as I was talking to these programs, what I began to understand and realize was what next? You get somebody off the street, you get them in a safe environment, they're going through trauma therapy, and then it's time to get a job. The problem is now you've got a bunch of children that are without family support, without a safe place to stay. If they've been on the street for any length of time, they have been arrested for prostitution or for drug possession. In New York, those equal felonies. And so you can only imagine you get somebody to a level where they're like, wow, I really need to work. If I had a good job that was making lucrative money, I would never have to go back into any of that. Well, now there's background checks. And so those background checks are stopping all these people in their tracks from getting the kind of jobs that actually could give them a way out. I just really started to understand and realize the calling on my heart to open Miss Julie's School of Beauty, which is a cosmetology school specifically targeted to human traffic survivors and also mixing in those at risk. It keeps people that are in a vulnerable population from actually being trafficked because now they have a way to make a lucrative career and have a way out. And for the survivors themselves, this is a fresh hope and a fresh start. Once the state issues you that cosmetology license, you can work. It opens so many doors. It's just phenomenal. And there's nothing like it in the USA. That's Julie Chappis of Christ for Kids Ministries in Rush, New York, whose new outreach effort is known as Miss Julie's School of Beauty offering vocational training for victims of human trafficking. You can support their effort and learn more by visiting MissJulieSchoolOfBeauty.org. Please join us again next week as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Life. Love that feature. Thank you, Mark. Hometown Heroes comes your way every Tuesday during the Noon Report or online anytime, FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A pretty typical winter day underway across the area. It is cold, not especially so. There are a few lake flakes around, but not a lot. And there's a little sun, but it's mostly limited, depending upon your location. Our next weather maker is a cold front, an Arctic front, coming in at the end of the week. It'll be preceded by moderate temperatures, but followed by a true blast of bitter air heading toward the weekend. For this afternoon, colder than yesterday for many. Clouds, sun, some lake flurries, high temps, 20s and low 30s, dropping back into the teens and low 20s tonight. Tomorrow and for Thursday, some sunshine and temperatures that'll peak in the 20s and low 30s tomorrow. In the 30s to near 40, then on Thursday. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. Finally, at noon, we're celebrating a wintertime beverage. Oh, we got it! Hey, we got it! Say, we got it! 
Family Life's Brian Query. Few drinks are as deep-rooted in the childhoods of many, quite like hot chocolate. It reminds us of chilly days, rainy days, sled riding, or even a quiet day watching the snowfall. Well, today is the day to cozy up and celebrate this incredible hot drink, as January 31st is National Hot Chocolate Day. The first recorded signs of hot chocolate were 2,500 years ago, when the ancient Mayans drank hot chocolate made from crushed cocoa seeds mixed in water and chili peppers. Swiss chocolatier Daniel Peter created the first milk chocolate by combining powdered milk with chocolate in 1876. Swiss Miss first released powdered hot chocolate that could be mixed with water instead of milk in 1961. So today, it's okay to have that extra cup of hot chocolate and celebrate. Just don't go too cocoa nuts. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, thank you very much, Brian. That's the world we live in. Tuesday, the last day of January. Bring on February, folks. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.